Hey, New Life Church, we're so glad you joined us today on our digital campus. My name's Kevin McManus. I'm the digital campus pastor here, and I would love to get to know you better. Listen, I'll be in the chat the entire service right here, and I would love to connect with you. If you need prayer for anything or just want to connect or get to know more about our church, I would love to do that. But listen, today we got an amazing day planned for you. We're about to go into a time of worship, but let me ask you this. Have you enjoyed the Life of Christ study so far? Man, me and my family sure have. And if you haven't joined us yet, it's not too late, guys. Listen, right underneath here, you'll see the number you can text. And just text Jesus to that number. You can join the journey today. It's not too late. It's been amazing. And I've heard so many amazing things coming out of it. Listen, we're going to a time of worship right now. And we got Pastor Marcus Brown in the house today on digital. But let's pray right now before we go into worship. Father, I just thank you for this day, God. Lord, I thank you for everybody watching, God, whether they're in their living room, God, they're in their car, God, they might just be on their smartphone walking, God. I just pray, God, that your presence, God, would be with us today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, as we go into a time of worship right now, God, I pray that you would just touch us, Lord. Uh, work in this, God, today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's worship together today.
Church. Welcome to week two of uh, Life of Christ series. Today we're going to be talking out of uh, Matthew chapter 7. If you have a Bible or you've got a device close by you, you can get something that you can take notes with. This is going to be just a crazy important message for you to get. You know, this has been an insane year for all of us. It's been, it's been nuts. It's been like that for me personally, and I'm sure it's been like that for you. I sat down with my friends. We started writing down all the crazy things that have happened in 2020. And just, I mean, from the political stuff to protests to just the pandemic. And then you just see, like, nature has just went crazy, you know, with hurricanes and fire tornadoes. And then we have murder hornets and, and snakes know how to fly in Asia now. And now we have alligators that are hooked on meth from Tennessee. I figured they'd be from Oklahoma, but it's from Tennessee. It's been a year to where, like, anything that can be shaken has been shaken. And it is so important for you in a year like this to know that your foundation in Christ is solid. And so the staff and teams, we've been praying for several months about this, and we just landed around saying, we're going to get around the teachings of Jesus and see what he said. Because when Jesus entered this world and started his ministry, there was religious unrest, there was political unrest, there was famine in the land, and so many of the things that he was teaching and the environment he was teaching in, we were facing, we're facing that today. And what he did was he drew crowds and he would take people and get him close to himself. And that is what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in each and every one of our lives, that no matter what we're in right now, he wants us close to him, that our lives are built on a firm foundation. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is finishing up the greatest sermon that was ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And he ends the Sermon on the Mount with an analogy, a parable. And this is how he said it. He said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he says they, they, they're hearing it and they're doing it. He said, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. 
But at verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. So you got two guys, one's doing it, one's not doing it. He says, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, isn't it interesting that there's only two things you got? There's no neutral position here. You are either building your house on the rock or you're building your house on the sand. And, it, and, and the rock and the sand determines the success of your life. He says, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. It was like almost impossible to rebuild it because it was such a great fall. So we're going to dive into this story. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want to do is just make some observations. Like we'll stand outside this story and just and just make a few observations. And then I want to just teach you like the easy ways of just saying, this is what I'm doing to make sure my life is built on the right foundation. Okay, here's observation number one between a wise man and a foolish man. Here's the first one. Uh, and I want to talk about the things that they had in common because there, there's, there were some differences, but there's some things that were pretty similar. Here's the first thing that is similar is they both have the same dream. Like one guy's like, I want to build a house. And the other guy over here was like, well, me too. I want to build a house. And when I think of wise people and foolish people, I just think we have nothing alike. And if you want me to describe a fool, he, he's nothing like me. I mean, a fool probably has a couple cats around the house and he, he loves Alabama and just loves Nick Saban, listens to a lot of rap music. We have nothing in common. But the Bible says, that, no, there are some similarities here. Like these guys, they got the same dream. We'll get around people that are aiming for the same things I'm aiming for in life. And some of them could be wise and other ones could be fools. Uh, like wise people and foolish people, they want to be a success. Uh, they, they both want to have a great family. They both want to have a strong marriage. Wise people and foolish people want their kids to grow up and do great things in their, in their life. Uh, they both had the same dream. Here's the next thing. And when I was standing out, I was like, you know, I didn't let that, this one sink in. They both heard the words of Jesus. It wasn't that the, the wise man is listening to Christ in a sermon and then the foolish man was just an unchurched guy that needed to be invited to church. No, I know if you're taking notes, write this down. Both of them went to the same church. Both of them had the same teacher in their life. Both of them were listening to the greatest Bible teacher of all time. Both of them are listening to Jesus. They are, they are hearing someone. Isn't it interesting that in an auditorium or maybe even your living room, wherever you're at right now, you can be listening to a message. Someone else could be a message. One person could be wise and someone else could be a fool. It happens every time we preach the gospel. So if you see a fool close by, you just kind of nod your head towards them right now. Here's the next thing. They both go through the same storm. They got the same problems. They got the same adversity. And this is what I want you just to take a deep breath just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to avoid storms. Some of you are in a storm in your life right now. That doesn't make you any less valuable than anyone else. Matter of fact, you're either in a storm, coming out of the storm, or you're headed right into a storm. Praise God. I just want to encourage you. That's the Christian life. I had somebody ask me one time, they were like, Marcus, why does storm after storm hit good people? It's this way. Have you ever went to your mailbox and like you got some mail that's addressed with your name on it? And then sometimes in your mailbox, you have things that just say occupant. 
you know. I mean, what's worse than just saying occupant? Every time I get a, piece, a letter and it just says occupant, I was like, they didn't even take the time to know who I am. Occupant. Occupant man means I don't care whose mailbox that is. I want this there. You're going to go through a storm because, write this down, you're an occupant. You are occupying space in this world. And because we live in a broken world, rains come, uh, winds come, floods come. It's going to happen to good people and bad people, righteous people and unrighteous people, wise people and foolish people. You're going to have rains. You're going to, there's going to be times in your life where there's going to be bad diagnosis. It's like a, a rains come. People that you love have passed away and, and went, went on to heaven and they're not in your life. That's, those are the rains of life. There's going to be times in your life where the floods come. And it just feels like there's a tidal wave of everything that's coming against me and my family that's not of God. Just the values of this world. I mean, I start thinking about everything that I don't like that's trying to feed my children. I just want to go live off the grid, live on a farm, not just cancel Netflix, cancel everything, you know. Have my kids make their own dresses and churn butter the rest of their life because I just want to protect them. But God didn't say, tell us to avoid the floods. He told us to stand in the middle of the flood. He said, then there's going to be the winds that hit your life. And it's just like my life has direct attacks of Satan on it right now. Some of you are feeling all of that hitting you. That's like the, the hurricane storms of life. But I want you to understand this truth, okay? Storms never destroy people. They never do. It's like, well, I saw somebody and they lost their job and then their just life just collapsed. Storms never <laughs> destroy people. Diagnosis never do it. Death doesn't destroy people. Direct attacks from Satan doesn't destroy people. Storms doesn't do it. It's the sand that does it. So when you look at their life, you're like, they've got some similarities. But here's observation number two. When you look at this, you go, what, what did these guys not have in common at all? Like, what is the contrasting things in their life? Okay, all right, here, here's the contrast. One guy decided, I'm building my house on rock. Same dream, but one says, I'm building on rock. Immediately when he makes that decision, that takes a plan. That takes uh, uh, some strategy. That took some thoughtfulness. I'll tell you what else it took. It took some effort and some energy. It's not easy to build on rock. He had to grab a shovel and get to work. There was a cost. There's some sacrifice into this. If you're going to, to build a house on rock, it's way more expensive to build on rock than to build on sand. So he's like, it's not just the energy and the effort. I'm going to pay whatever price financially, whatever it's going to cost me. And you know what? This is going to take me a lot longer to build my house than it's going to take him to build his house on sand. It doesn't matter how long it takes me. So one guy builds his house on the rock, and the other guy said, I'm going to build build my house on sand. Why? Because that didn't take much effort. He could get done overnight. I mean, he's on the beach drinking something with an umbrella in it while this other guy is still doing the hard work. It was painless and it was cheap. When we built this facility that we're in now, right there in the early days, I got this bad uh, phone call from Harry Bates. And he's one of our lead execs. And he called me. He said, Marcus, I got bad news. And I said, what? They were just getting ready to do the foundation on this building, and they found clay. He said, man, we went down. Then we went down a little deeper, and we found clay. And I said, like, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, it's going to cost us a lot of money. And it was literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to go in, 
He's like, we gotta go in, we gotta dig out all the clay, we're gonna put in shale before we ever lay the foundation. It's gotta get solid. And, I, and you know me, I'm antsy. I want something done the next day. I'm like, well, how long is this gonna take? And he's like, this is gonna set us back. And it literally set us back for months. And I was just thinking, well, how bad could clay be? You know? And I was talking to a couple of guys in the church and he said this, he said, Marcus, if we build on that, it's going to be a year or two, you're going to start seeing cracks in your walls. It's going to be another two or three years, it's going to affect the glass that's in this building. And then when it does that, for the rest of the life of the facility, you're going to be doing patchwork all around the facility. I'm telling you this, we see this in ministry all the time. People are having to do patchwork in their marriage. You got to patch things up. I'm doing patchwork with my kids. I was just trying, can y'all help and pray? And they'll text you and they're just doing patch, trying to patch things up, trying to do patchwork in my finances because uh, I, I need to get that right. I'm just, I'm in debt to my eyeballs. And we're doing patchwork when the real problem and the real issue was the foundation that we were on. The foundation has got to get right. The biggest contrast that you see is that one guy decided to apply the word and the other guy didn't apply the word at all. This is the point that Jesus is driving home. And this is what he's saying in your life. You can't build a skyscraper out of your life when you only have a foundation that's strong enough for a chicken coop. Jesus said, you've got to be able to do the work. It reminds me of this. This year I set some goals for my health. i got to get healthy. I want to look better. So I decided I'm going to work out like four or five times a week. And so for the month of January, I aced it. I was reading my Bible every morning. I was working out four or five times a week. And then when I hit February, I started getting a little lax. But you know what I would still do? I would still wake up in the morning and put on my workout clothes. How many of you guys have ever done this? And so I would wear my workout clothes to noon, but I just never worked out in them. And somehow, some way, I felt great all day just because I had the clothes on. And then I started looking, I'm like, I, I'm gaining weight even though I'm wearing the workout clothes. Listen to me, when you hear the word of God, but you don't do the work of applying it, it's just like putting on the workout clothes, but not sweating in them and working out. You might feel better about yourself, but you're not bettering yourself at all. So you got one guy that says, I'm hearing it, and I'm amening it, and I'm doing it. And someone else hears it and goes and lives it life his own way. And that was what made one guy wise and another guy foolish. So how do you become a wise person? I mean, when you're in the story and you go, if Jesus was pointing fingers, which, which guy, would I be the wise person? Would I be the foolish person? We all want to be the wise person. I want to give you two principles that the Lord is just really hammering in me right now. And I think if you get this, this will change your life. You'll feel like, man, right now, my life is, is really solid. Here's the first thing. Let, let's go back to love. I would write this down. Wise people go back to loving Jesus. Just go back. I wouldn't just say, okay, I know I need to do this and I need to do the work. The first thing I want you to do is just check where is, the like, where is the passionate love for Jesus in my life right now? Where is it at and where does it need to be? Now, in my marriage, my wife, Brooke, her number one love language is acts of service. Okay, it, When I'm serving, whoo, the love is going straight up. 
And, and when I'm doing, when she's asking me to do something and I do it, the love is way up. One, one of Brooke's pet peeves, she hates it when I eat into, in the living room. She knows she wants me to eat at the table. When I'm finished eating at the table, I take my stuff and I put it away. But just the other day, I tried to sneak into the living room, get in my chair to eat, and she walked in and she said, do you love me? It's so big to her. Even when I just do simple things like take out the trash in the house or I change a light bulb, boy, her love meter goes way off. Sometimes I just wear a tool belt all day just to make her happy. Praise God. <laughs> but Jesus has a love language too. And it's, here's his love language. Hear and do. Hear what I say and put it into practice. John chapter 14, verse 15, he says this, If you love me, He's like, if you love me, I want you to show me something. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then, listen, a lot of times we quote that verse, but there's more to it. Look at the part of verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's like, if you love me and even attempt to do what I've asked you to do, I'm going to pray for you. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to help you do my commandments. I'm going to tell you this. This is our desire for you during this season. You're in the word. And not just in the word. There's something happening in your heart when you're in the word. I want God. I want you to be able to say, I met with God and he has spoken something fresh to me. Maybe he corrected something in your life. Maybe he opened your eyes to something. You were like, I was blind to this, but I was reading the word and I was spending time with God. And now I know what I need to be doing with my life. I want it to feel like every time you do one of these devos and every time you open the word of God, it's like fresh air in your soul. It just feels like I've got fresh baked bread, spiritual baked bread in me to give to my family. That is what our dream and our as pastors, that's what we're praying. I want you to get to that place in your life. And it will literally... Change the way you pray. Now, I said earlier that this has been a crazy year for me. And uh, for those of you that don't know, in May, uh, my father uh, was diagnosed COVID positive. My son was diagnosed and I was diagnosed. And my father uh, ended up passing away from some complications with COVID. And then I, I ended up with pneumonia. And then my son Austin was sick for, for a long time. So we were on this, we were on this long road to recovery. And during that time, I, I remember thinking in my mind, I never need God more than I need Him right now. I mean, I would literally put my, my, my face in my hands, and I was just like, God, I just need you. Especially those moments where I was just so sick, and I didn't know if I was going to just, I didn't know if I was going to turn the corner and even get better. But about a week ago, a week or two ago, I started really assessing my prayer life, and I realized this. I wrote this down in my journal. I'd like for you to write it down. Just because our need for God goes up doesn't mean that our love for God is going up at the same time. Like my, my need for God was at an all-time high, but I started seeing that, that my love just for Jesus was starting to grow cold. And I felt like different characters in the Bible, and there's nothing wrong with the way they prayed, but I, wanted, I, need, I knew I needed to add something to it. Here's, here's how how Moses would pray at the Red Sea. He was just like, God, I need you. Just Could you part this Red Sea? And I felt like that was my prayer. I need you. I need you to make a way where there's no way right now, God. 
Sometimes I felt like Solomon where I was just, especially in the pandemic and we're trying to lead a church and many of you are doing the same thing. You're trying to lead a business and you're just praying, God, could you give me wisdom? I, there's no handbook on this. How are we going to be effective? How do we lead people? How do we love people? What do we do? And I felt like all my prayers were in those two categories. I need this from you and I need that from you. And when I landed on Psalm 27, I went, that's a different heart, that heart of David, where he said, this one thing I ask and this I seek, that I may dwell in your house and gaze upon your beauty. I went, that's a different heart right there. That is him saying, I just want to be with you because I want to be close to you. I got on my knees and I said, God, I need this. I need this kind of heart. I'm always going to pray because I need Jesus. But I want to spend time with you, Jesus, because I just love you. And I want to be closer to you. When you do that in your life, there's, it's like the, your spiritual taste buds change. One of the things I love to do is cook Cajun food. I, just, I love having people over. I love cooking for them. And the last time I cooked a big batch of gumbo, I had a, friends at the house, their kids are running in and out, and I start making bowls of gumbo, and I'm passing them out. And, uh, and I got my gumbo, and I started eating it. And, and then my, my friend Brandon, his, his wife Jess, she, she said, hey, MB. And I was like, what? And she's like, this gumbo is really, really good. I mean, I had chicken in there, sausage in there, uh, duck in there. It was just amazing. But I was eating it so fast, I didn't even, I didn't even know it was great. So I, I, I hushed everybody in the room, and I was like, hold on. And I closed my eyes, and I started tasting it slower. I was like, golly, this is magnificent. This is where you, I want you to get in your time with God. That you're just like, Lord, help me love you like I need to love you. And slow down, get the distractions out of your life inhale and just say, I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's the second principle, and, and it's really easy. Number, uh, number two, wise people, they put God's word into practice. Some of you are thinking, hey, and hey, how do I make the word of God my foundation? Is that a devo every morning and it's a foundation? This is what it is. You, the word of God is your foundation when that's where you start. Like, when you have an issue arise in your life, you have a problem, you have something you're trying to figure out, what is the first thing you do? Like really, if you get blindsided in business, what is the first thing you do? If somebody goes, well, I pick, up, I pick up the phone and I call my parents. Then your parents are your foundation. That's what you're starting with. Well, well I usually text a friend. Sometimes I watch, watch Dr. Phil all day long, try to get some wisdom on what to do. Then that's your foundation. This is how you make it the foundation. Something arises in your life and you go, I'm going to do whatever the Bible says. What does the Bible say? And then everything else you can just say surrounds that. I'm going to find out what the Bible says. Then I call my parents. I'm going to find out what the Bible says. Then I'm going to talk to my, to my life group. But it's whatever you are putting first is the foundation of your life. And you say, I'm having problems in my marriage. What does the Bible say on marriage? And the moment you say, I'm going to find it out and I'm going to do it, God says, I'm going to give you some Holy Spirit power to be able to accomplish what my word says to do. Right outside my house, every night, I walk my dog out of my driveway. We walk around the block, and my neighbor right across the street, when I walk past their house, they have a motion-censored light outside, and it lights up their entire yard. 
So when I start, and I like it because there's two or three in our block and it looks dark, but then I'll get close and then the, the light comes on, you know, because, but if I were to stop and sometimes I do, sometimes I stop and my dog is smelling something, all of a sudden the light goes back off. I want you to know that the Word of God is motion activated. When you begin to apply it, there's power that comes behind it. When God spoke to Moses at the Red Sea and he said, Moses, lift up your staff over the water. When he obeyed the Word, then the water parted. When Joshua was looking at the Jordan River and God said, tell the priests to dip their feet in the water. When they heard the word and acted on it, the waters parted. When Jesus looked at Mary and he said, roll the stone away. There's going to be a, there's going to be an odor. Lazarus has been dead for many days now. He's like, roll. When she heard the word and did it, here comes Lazarus out of the tomb. There's supernatural power when you activate the Word of God. In England, England has a queen, the Queen of England, and she is a figurehead. She has this great position, and everybody you know, knows who she is, and she'll show up for a tennis match every now and then. And, every, and, and she's elevated in this place of authority, but she really has no power. She can't make a decision. She can't say something that becomes a law. She has no power to do anything. Many of us have values in our life that are Queen of England values. Oh, we've got them over here, and this is how we run our family, and this is how we run our home, and this is how we make decisions, but they're Queen of England values because they have no power to help you when, in your, when you're in your greatest need. So this is what we're asking you to do as pastors. As we're in these, this life of Christ season of devotions, every day feeding on the words of Jesus, I want you to be a hearer and a doer. Be committed to doing this, but get some people around your life that you are texting daily going, I got this. And then you say this, what are you going to do with what you read today? This is what I think God is wanting me to do in my life and move on it. Let me pray for you, and I want you to know we're about to go right back into worship. This is gonna be a great time for you just to worship and reflect and let the Word of God, what was said today, settle into your spirit. But many of you are out here and, and you're around the Word of God, but if you were honest, you would say, it's not a foundation. So, so, so what do I do? do? Do what we've been asking you to do. Get some friends around these devotionals and commit to it every day. Commit to that hard work Get a, grab a shovel, dig through the sand until your life is fastened to the rock. Father God, I pray for every single person that has heard your word today. There's big commitments. We can't do it in ourselves. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live out what you've called us to do. Let your love for us be so affectionate Let we love you back with that same love that we are receiving, God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, our Savior.
What an amazing message from Pastor Marcus today. Listen, if you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to connect with you. How do you do that, man? You just text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 88000, and we'll connect with you. We would love to walk alongside you on this decision that you just made to follow Christ. 
Listen, today we're going to take our tithes and offerings right now, though. And I just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving to this church, to giving to our digital campus here or a campus that you're involved in. We're so glad that you're a part of our team and what God's doing in Arkansas and the borders outside of that through New Life Church. Today, though, I want to pray for another church, and that's River of Life Church, Pastor Tony Minnick in Little Rock. We're going to pray for him, and I'm also going to pray a blessing over you today. Come on, let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for River of Life Church. God, I pray that you just encourage Pastor Tony and the people there of that great church. God, we thank you for them. God, we're thankful that they're in our city. And God, I also pray just a prayer of blessing over everybody watching right now, God. Lord, I pray that you would just protect us, Lord. Put a hedge of protection around us and our families that we stay safe and healthy, Lord. I also pray just, God, for the life of Christ study that we're all in together, that it would be a blessing to everybody that's a part of it or the ones that will join today and be a part of it. God, use this study, God, for us to grow closer to you and learn more about you. God, we thank you for what you're going to do through it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, have an amazing week. We'll see you right back here next week at 930. God bless.